So what happens six months after you open your first restaurant and you're forced to close due to lockdown? Well, that's exactly the question that we had to ask ourselves. I'm Catherine Solomons. I'm the host of the Giant Paws podcast, also co-owner of 28 Well Hung, uh, London's first regenerative restaurant in Nunhead. This podcast is a series of interviews with local community leaders and uh, entrepreneurs in the area. The idea is just simply to create a platform for you to get to know the story behind the faces that many of you will know. Uh, You'll find ways uh, that you can support these businesses during this time, ways that you can volunteer, ways that you can get involved and uh, and also some opportunities to support with through fundraising, if that's your jam. So I hope you really enjoy it. I would love it if you'd recommend it to all your friends, to like, to comment, to share. This is all about creating community and supporting community in what's really an unprecedented and difficult time. But there are things that we can do to make it an awful lot better. And my heart and hope is this is one of them. This is an amazing tale of the inspiration behind going from having cancer and an 11-month-old baby to starting what I honestly think is one of the most exciting and inspiring community enterprises, not only since lockdown, but also from what I've witnessed from my own experience in working in community uh, development. Uh, her name is Claire Shepherd. Many of you will know her as running for the Green Party during the recent election, but she is the inspiration and the personality behind the amazing Nunhead Knox. I hope that you enjoy listening to this interview as much as I did giving it. There is opportunity, if you look in the show notes, to see where you can volunteer, where you can get involved, and how, if you feel so inclined, you could support this incredible initiative with your funds please have a listen. We're going to enjoy, uh, we're going to join the interview at the point where Claire is just starting to talk about her background and where she grew up and how she entered politics. Why I got politically active was in a, in a way because my eyes were opened up. I mean, I, I grew up in Norfolk um, right. and, and my dad was an Irish immigrant and he came over and like dug he was an avi, you know. And my mum was wow. a hospital cleaner, so I've got a very working oh, wow. background. And yeah, I was like one of the last lucky lot to go to university that didn't have to pay for it, kind of thing. And it, <laughs> it is like I can really see what what advantages those things gave me, you yeah. know. And, and then, like after after my son was born um, four years ago, I d- got diagnosed with cancer. And, and not not one of the nice cancers, like the booby cancer or anything. It was anal cancer. <laughs> called it, um, I called it arse cancer because that just seems nicer. So. <laughs> and, I, and I named the tumour Farage because a friend told me that <laughs> it helps to name it after something. And that can was we, like, can oh, I you include that I regularly oh, yeah. tweeted at him throughout <laughs> treat, treatment that I had been cancerous ass tumour after him before I signed the compassion in politics 
um, thing. Right. As, as I said at the time, I was like, they're both dangerous pains in the arse. And, I, you know, at the start of 2016, they really were, but I managed to get rid of my dangerous pain in the arse. Um, unfortunately, Farage has hung around a bit more. In the- <laughs> and it walloped me. I mean, it would wallop anybody. I can accept that now. But at the time, I was just like, I can't believe this is happening because you can't believe that's happening when you've got a newborn baby. And, um, yeah, so I was, like, going to St Thomas's every day for radiotherapy for for six weeks, and it was bang in the middle of the junior doctor's strike. And so I was going in every day, and, like, the Houses of Parliament are there, and the junior doctors are there. And when I got diagnosed with cancer, I never wanted to be one of those people who said, oh, you know, cancer changed my life. I was like, I'm fine. But actually, it it did change my life in, in that it made me go, oh shit we're here for a, sorry I'm using bad language no it's fine I'm such a swearer we're here, for a, we're here for a good time not a long time and lots of things that I'm, I'd meant to do with my life that aged 39 I was okay you might not have time unless you get on with it a bit back to were it. you in Involved in politics at that point or kind of what was your entry point in well I, I did I did politics for my lovely free state-sponsored degree <laughs> which, which, which I'm sure a few politicians are, are glad about now um, <laughs> so that's nothing under the radar but I did I literally finished my course I was at Sunderland so I was in the northeast and I graduated in 98 so it was through the whole labour Things can only get better. (laughs) Really, student politics had really turned me off. Politics. It was was very much like what you see in the Labour Party now, you know, with the Judean People's Front, with the People's Front of Judea, and, you know, the two elements just tearing themselves apart. And I, yeah, I found it difficult to find somewhere that I naturally felt at home. What did feeling at home feel like for you in in politics, kind of what your access point into politics was, but you had that kind of opposite experience. I'm really interested. In political my whole life, you know, I've marched. <laughs> I've marched for pretty much anything you can, <laughs> you can think of over the years. But I never kind of wanted to be a fully paid up member of a place about six years ago I first joined the Green Party but I wasn't a very active member at all and then after I had my experience with with cancer at the same time it it was really a very bad year that year my my dad dropped dead unexpectedly three days before I got the all clear and we and I'm a leaseholder in a council block and we got a section 20 notice for like 40 grand that like arrived on the first day of my radiotherapy. It was just like, oh my God. And and like my wow. experience with trying to engage like with the council about the section 20 thing, it spurred me, it made me think, right, I want to be a politician because I think people with my experiences, I think those voices should be around the table. And I went to yes. um, an event put on by an amazing thing called the Parliament Project which is about empowering women to try and feel like there's a seat for them at the table. It's a partisan organisation, so it doesn't matter where you're coming from ideologically. Right. But they kind of talk you through how 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 do you how do you become an MP basically? How do you become a female MP? And um, they chose me as their 
green representative as someone who'd gone through the system, you know. So bringing us to lockdown and uh, none had knocks, which is our point of contact. I met um, one of your wonderful volunteers, Jasmine, uh, yeah, who came and at a at a safe distance handed me uh, handed me some of your posters to put up in uh, in our restaurant Fantastic. that people have been photographing. So that's working. Tell me the story. It, it does it does all tie in. Like I say, good campfire story. The experience that I had four years ago basically informed non head knocks um because around the at that time i had a newborn baby i had cancer i was stuck at home for months on end i couldn't mm. go anywhere i couldn't do anything and i had to be organized i'm self-employed my husband's self-employed i knew what that felt like and i knew what you need yeah. when you're stuck at home and in my case at the time because we did have a big lovely chocolate labrador it was dog walking it was food and it was mm company it was well in that case someone to come round and sit with me and my baby because I needed you know someone physically with me at all yes. times and it took a lot of organization for to keep one little family on the road um for a few months it took a lot of organization by by my friends you know um I I'd just set up Nunhead Women's Institute so all the women from there they were all like doing me cooking and stuff like that and none had community choir guys, you know, they, they were so lovely. They like did a whip round for me um, so we could like go away for, for a weekend. Aww. It really hammered home that experience, how important community is and how important having a safety net is. And I know yes. from my experiences at that time, applying for universal credit and the absolute horror show that that system is, um, I knew that the, the safety net's, not good and I thought if if we can try and make sure that we look after all of us look after our neighbours then it's manageable you know this horrible big scary thing is manageable Mm. if you break it down to that what what do we need it is you know the the very bottom because I admin on the Nunhead Rocks Facebook group kind of got that profile in the community that people sort Mm. of know and trust me and also, I've been in election mode for the last two years, so I've leafleted the ever-loving crap out of Nunhead. I've been in all of your blocks. I need to give them way in Rye Hill Park because somebody renovated it and put the letterboxes at two-thirds down. You know, I, I, I thought, I, I can reasonably easily get a load of leaflets around here because I've done it so many times before. So I put in a call to um, Quickprint in Peckham and just went, hey, it's me, Claire Shepherd from the Green Party. I've ordered many leaflets from you before. So I got that in place. And then the amazing Charlie sent a message going, oh, I think my boyfriend can knock together a quick website. My day job, what what my business is, is yeah. market research. So I'm really conscious oh, wow. about people's data and stuff like that. Yes. <laughs> you're such an exciting incredible skill set it's so exciting talking to you the entrepreneurial drive that you have I mean I'm really interested in the kind of intersection I guess between entrepreneurial thinking and how that shows up in community because it's kind of the same thing like when it's done yeah. well that heart well, sense of propulsion could go either way right and yeah you're exactly. unbelievable and- and it was really lucky that the people who sort of 
got in touch first and were very keen were people like Amar, who works in the Ivy House, um, who is an incredible community activist, very active in the Labour Party and very active in unions and things. So he's plugged into loads of networks like that. We've got Charlie, who's run charities before, and Heather, who's run charities before, and Clive, who's worked in all sorts of government positions, so knows loads about safeguarding and back-end systems and lots of things that I can't do and don't really understand, but know the important of Clive and Andy, who understands systems, and Paddy, who manages the Blackbird Bakery, who's just been, like, doing loads and loads of things and yeah we've been very lucky because we've got lots of talented people who care about our community and all wanted to pull together and it is really for the common good and Charlie and Tom for example designed the website so it could be copied by other communities so other community Hmm. groups have come to us so they can do that and you know we tried to pass it up the food chain to City Hall and to put to government because they put that call out for for volunteers but knowing what I know having worked with government for many years in my professional life is that they'll have done that without a system to filter them and we built a system to usefully filter volunteers but they didn't take us up on it this is like the most beautiful and impressive thing I've ever been involved in in my life it's amazing and it it's so nice just to have so many people pulling around a common goal, a really fundamentally decent common goal, because, yeah, I, th- I think people are good. I think people are down, yes. deep down, and I think if you give people the opportunity, then they will do good. Um, yeah. I, I trust people. <laughs> um, and it's really unusual to see that and the the sort of nine of us who who make up like the committee on on none head knots we're all different people with different backgrounds and different skill sets but we've achieved so much all together you know with all all the hundreds you know i think there's 1700 volunteers who signed so this website you know it's it's phenomenal and we're, so talk- we're hundreds of people it's so beautiful. talk a little bit about what what makes up Nunhead Knox and you've obviously there's a huge number of volunteers and a huge number of recipients like what's being offered what's happening there's there's a few strands sadly for dog fans um pretty much no one wants their dog walked is the sad news and everyone wants to walk the dogs <laughs> everyone's <laughs> like oh I'm the dogs everyone's <laughs> already being walked their poor little legs are done it yeah. um, I don't want to go out again <laughs> please, 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 yeah so that's not happening as much as people would like um but we've we've got funds there we're um we've got Neighbours shopping for neighbours. We've Mm -hmm. got secure payment systems um, in place for people so they can do that safely. Um, We've got capacity if people can't afford to pay for their shopping right now that we can get them tidied over. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. we've um, bought 
Morrison's boxes, I think, at some stages for people if they need them. But we're also supporting uh, buyer organisations um, like Westminster House Youth Club. Um, so, yeah, so we're, we're doing hot meals that are going out through them as well. I think we were doing 70-odd hot meals a day a couple of days last week. Got Anne, who's our fantastic food champion, and she's um, getting hot meals out to people. So people can self-refer onto the website and say, I need hot meals, I need shopping, I just need a phone call because I just need somebody to keep in touch, you know. Like on a practical level, like Andy on the committee is driving to cash and carry. He's got a cash and carry card, so he's going there and getting, like, 70 loaves of bread and a load of tea bags and some fresh stuff so mm. we're also getting that those supplies through to families via Westminster House and I spoke to the Peabody Trust today and hopefully you know we can support them in in those ways and hopefully um, via SGTO more tenants groups will will be getting that offer but anyone can you know anyone can request help on our website and if if they haven't got any food in the cupboard right now we'll get them some food in the cupboard right now we're also collecting that's the other thing we're also collecting um we're opening up the green between one and three for people to drop off non-perishable food we'll use those in food parcels and any excess will go to the food bank so we've got a relationship with their it's it's huge we've got all these little networks out and if people have complex needs or issues um we've got people to feed that up to you know so they can get proper support um because some people do you know some people it's just i'm self-isolating need someone to Sainsbury's for me or uh, we're also delivering pharmacy prescriptions from crystals and anything like that that we're putting up where it just needs like volunteers to to do something like that i think once when we put the um pharmacy rotor up it was filled in two minutes there's loads of people they just want to help that's what i've always found it helps if you help people because we haven't got any control really over over this situation but it's like um well it's like anything when you sort of examine your mental health a bit really isn't it you'd be I can't control what's happening, but I can control how I react to it. And how we feel useful and connected as human beings is really, really important. And But to look at the way community is coming together, and I'm just kind of, I guess I'm wondering what amazing stories are rising out of this. Yeah. You know, what's changing for people, like the, the pivots that people are on that are fundamentally going to change how they live and you know their impact and the way we've set up non-head knocks is it it could exist for as long as it needs to exist and Mm. and I really hope that some of the relationships that have been made you know because there's been people who helped their neighbors because we've set it up so it's someone within a street or two of you is probably going to be the person helping you and I'm hoping that those relationships will will stand up you know I know in the whatsapp group for for our couple of streets we've already started talking about how the houses over the road are going to be 100 in October and we should really have a street party that our streets are 100 years old in October you know there's 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 so much loveliness coming out of it it's difficult and I think that there's going to be 
huge mental health issues at, at yeah. coming out of this the other side because I know like I know after my illness before after my isolation before it was very difficult for me to get back to anything approaching normal really because when your world becomes that small mm. when it starts opening up again it can be really intimidating you know I I had this thing because I, I love going to festivals and I had this thing all the way through my treatment that I'm I had tickets for Glastonbury and I was like I'm going I'm going to Glastonbury by god I went to Glastonbury and I got sent <laughs> by the medical people I was leaving on Friday morning and, and, and my amazing gasto fam like packed me up because I was, I was just exhausted. It was too much. It was too much, but everybody had enough faith in me. You know, they'd been reading my blog and they were like, we're going to get it here. And I got there and it was overwhelming and it was muddy as hell. And I brought my 11 month old baby because really, you know, because why not? Challenge. And and I I only managed to go back to Glastonbury last year because, wow. like, that was too much of a, you know, mind melter, just being <laughs> around that many people at once, even, you know, in a place that I think is the best place on earth and it's a very loving place. It just by virtue of there being that many people there, it freaked me out and people are going to get freaked out <laughs> when they start so- as we wrap up we don't know obviously when things are going to open back up but a few things that really worked for you to help you um, find your sense of normality or kind of sense of groundedness or calm after what you experience well I still have really bad (laughs) really bad days sometimes but what I do find is that anything that kind of gets you into a sort of state of flow so Mm. cooking is a good good one you know Mm. managing technology use is a really big one literally of an evening put your phone in a different room and you'll be amazed how much better your mental health is I Mm. you know I try to do that every night I charge it in the kitchen so I can't even hear it I read um some Matt Haig books he's he's written a couple of really really good books one it's called reasons to stay alive and another one oh god I can't remember the name of it but it's making sense of life in a in the modern world there's very calming chapters in there where it just kind of talks about you know this pressure that we put on ourselves to be there all the time and I am the worst in the world at it you know my my big sisters take the mickey out of me and just say you know you can't you can't fix everything Claire but you've bloody got to try haven't you Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And you know, if you keep saying you can't fix everything, you're, then you're right. It's, yeah, yeah. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. As soon as yes. you, it's like we've we've got to try. And I really hope that, like you say, it's a pivot and it's a change, and people will realise that they don't need to consume as much. Uh, has anyone really noticed that they haven't been able to close shop? I think people are noticing in London that the the air is cleaner and you can see stars at night and you can hear birds singing and you're not woken up at five in the morning from that plane that comes from Guam. I've looked it up and there are, you know, there's pockets of joy to be had and don't feel bad about enjoying the pockets of joy. You know, that's super important. Thank you for saying that. 
Thank you for saying that. Because again, I've had talks with friends of mine going, I've had moments of just feeling very happy. Like, and there's reasons for that. And I think part of it is being useful. And it's, and it's a very different kind of feeling from you where you've got a restaurant and it's amazing, you know, serving food and getting all that kind of feedback. And, you know, for us, the focus is on the supply chain and thinking about how we can put an agricultural system that regenerates soil and is kind to nature. But above all of that, like there's no, it's a very different feeling to say pivoting the restaurant as we are right now. And, and also, I mean, even just this little podcast that I'm starting, just in, pretty much an excuse to talk to people and you have a platform that can talk about their businesses and like I I look at my business because market research not to put too fine a point on it it is mostly helping uh, people decide that they want to buy things that they don't necessarily want to buy it and don't necessarily want to uh, you know they don't need and I watched Bill Hicks at an early age and that's never really (laughs) sat comfortably with me that you know but I've I, I assuage my guilt by I've done a lot of social research, research you know I've done like some yes. some good things but at the moment you know I, I don't have any any of my paid work to do um, and I am keeping busy with with non-head knocks and and my four-year-old who's just bouncing off the walls and um any tips for parents you, God uh... help us all God no <laughs> Just, just, be, just look at your co-parent if you're lucky enough to have one at home with you once a day and tell them that they're doing great because <laughs> it, is, it is trying. It's I've got a four-year-old and he's like me, he's quite loquacious and um, he's got a lot of questions, a lot of questions. A lot of them are about Ninjago, which I don't really know that much about, if I'm honest. <laughs> um so it's challenging. I keep saying it's a bit like living with a member of the Mighty Boosh who's had too much MDMA or something, really. It's just surrealist stream of consciousness. It's kind of like being stuck in a chill-out room. <laughs> with <laughs> someone who's not relaxed. Yeah. So, no, 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 you don't have to keep asking the same question over and over again. I did tease the first time. I'm just thinking, yeah, I'm calling on a lot of, like, you know, it's fine. I'm so, I'm, I'm sure other people when they listen to this, so they haven't connected with you or come across you before, but honestly, you are so inspiring. You're so inspiring to me on so many different levels. What's really interesting to me about how you are is how accessible you are and how accessible you make things that people might not necessarily think are accessible. I think that that takes a real particular gift. It really does. It might just be you being yourself, but I, honestly, that's really, I'm feeling quite emotional. Video hug. <laughs> I love video hug. Oh my like gosh, that's a new thing. But yeah. um, thank you. And, you know, we've never spoken before. Such a pleasure to talk yeah. to you and to talk to you too I can't believe our paths haven't crossed before but that's happening quite no. a lot the big thing to to get people do is actually talk to talk to people around them because um 
there's a thing called effective frequency. So people need to hear about something at least three times before it stays. Nothing's as good as word of mouth, really. Just let people know that that we're here and we, you know, we just want to try and make sure that that people can get through it. And your website is www.nunheadknocks.com. Yep. Uh, I'll put that in the show notes anyway. Yep. Uh, it seems oh. funny saying that. But um, yeah, and anything, are you on Instagram? Oh, yeah, um, I'm on Instagram myself as Shiny Shep and on Twitter. I tweet them more than I Instagram. Thank you, Claire. No um, worries at all. Much and love. Come in and eat some cow in your place at the first opportunity I get. I'm going to take my husband out for some cow. Climate solutions on a plate. In the meantime, so much love. So thank you so much for being a guest on The Giant Paws. And uh, I look forward to connecting with you soon. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. Bye. (laughs) Amazing, Claire. Thank you. (laughs) I don't know about you, but... I feel so hopeful that women as amazing as Claire are entering politics. I was so inspired by our conversation today and I hope you were too. If you think it's something that your friends will like, please, please share. It would also be really lovely if you like the conversation to put some likes uh, below or even post a review. That would be amazing. But thank you so much for listening and I look forward to you joining me on the next episode of The Giant Force.